Good afternoon, and thanks for tuning in to the Vine and Branches podcast. My name is Allie O'Neill, and today we're going to be starting the first day of my personality series. I just wanted to start off by apologizing to y'all. I haven't done as many segments as I typically like. I like to do one or two segments Monday through Friday, and I've just had this cold that seems to be lingering. Uh, so I've been coughing and I've been stuffy, but I just wanted to get through this series with you guys because I think that it's really vital and it's really helpful. So as much as I want to start off with personality types and diving into the different tests and stuff, I want to first talk about coming to terms with who you really are and the mirror test. Now, some people call this being real. They say that they have a really hard time finding real people in their lives. And most of the people who say this are not being real themselves. We really have this struggle with being who we were actually created to be and having actions off of our natural tendencies. We seem to be displeased with the personality that God has given us to the point that we try to adopt another personality. Now, let me tell you. If you are of a certain complexion and you naturally have red hair and you try to dye it black and you have freckles, it may look funny, okay? You're trying to adopt a look that may not bode well for you. This is a great example of what we do every single day. And maybe, and maybe not as extreme for some people. This is, this is something that we do on the regular. It's that... We try to put on these personas that don't match us and were not intended for us. And that's when we aren't as transparent as we should be with ourselves, but we're still transparent to others because people can see through that. They can see through our behaviors and actions, and they know that it's not us and it's not who we really are. This is when people get the term of being fake or disingenuine. And At least for me, that's something that I hate to hear because I want to be, I want to be, and I think we all want to be a person who can be real and upfront and forward with who we really are. Yet there are many factors that keep us from doing this, especially in Christianity. So I think where a lot of the struggle comes from in Christianity for being real is that we think that a certain persona is accepted and another is not. And if we are real that maybe we cuss sometimes because we've had a bad day, that we're going to be excommunicated from the church and no one's going to want to deal with us anymore. Or now we're unholier than thou, so there's no way that anyone could possibly want to associate with us because the F word came out of our mouths. But we've literally all done something similar to this. It's okay. It's real. It's what happens. So it starts with small things like that. But I want to talk about this mirror test because this is a test that you need to perform before you perform any sort of personality test. So you know who you are deep down. And we might remember the saying mirror, mirror on the wall. Okay, this is from Snow White. And if any of you are familiar with this awesome Disney movie, you would know that the mirror is flattering. It tells the queen what she wants to hear. 
And it's giving her false hope for things that she shouldn't have false hope for. It's giving her the idea that her hiding everything that's going bad in her life is the right idea when it's not. And the thing is, is that in fairy tales, this is awesome. We're like, yeah, you know what? I'd love to have a mirror that gives me encouragement and tells me things that I want to hear. But in real life, mirrors aren't that way at all. Actually, mirrors don't praise us. They reveal the truth about us and they don't flatter us at all. They unveil us. Even a person who thinks that they are completely aesthetically pleasing can look in a mirror and find some flaw about themselves. However, these flaws remind us that we're not as flawless as we think that we are. We're using this mirror and thinking that it's going to tell us everything that we want, and it doesn't. Some people have such an anxiety towards mirrors that they won't look in them, and they refuse to pass by them in stores. They almost have a phobia of looking in the mirror because then they have to come to terms with who they really are. Now, this is a mirror that's on the wall. This is a mirror that's telling the truth, but it's not a mirror that is showing us our inner selves. So the mirror test that I'm talking about is a metaphorical mirror. This is a mirror that's going to show up your inner self and who you are on the inside, because this is what's most important, because you can be beautiful on the inside and absolutely ugly on the inside and not have a great life. So some of you have probably heard the saying, the truth hurts, and boy, does it. And it hurts even more sometimes from the people that we hear it from, yet it is a healing hurt and it's a helpful pain. It's something that we need to move forward in. Some of us associate pain as something that we shouldn't have to deal with, and we try to keep everyone else from dealing with pain, but we are hindering people when we're doing this. We should be helping people walk through that pain, but not encouraging them to forget about it or think that they shouldn't be dealing with this and give them the victim mentality. We should be living honestly, humbly, and transparently, and we need to come to terms with who we already are. So many of us give people this impression that we're almost always right and almost always happy, but we're neither. It's all an illusion. That's what social media is. We're posting things on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, everywhere, even on our blogs, that life is just so perfect. I love my family. I love this. I love that. But when you struggle with something and you're dealing with pain, you usually omit this because then you would think that people think that you're less than perfect or you're less than good. I've noticed that people are scared to tell the truth because if they actually did, then they'd have to deal with the problems in their lives. And if they're sharing that this is something that's going on, other people might be encouraged to help them as well. And they don't want that because the last thing an ego wants to do is look closely into a mirror. And it's usually the ones who refuse to be real are the ones who don't end up changing. I think that the pain in our hearts really shows us that there's something wrong with our soul. And we know that, but we prefer to actually deaden or even deny ourselves from the pain rather than confront it head on. So I want to tell you, confront your pain head on. 
Don't try to hide it or mask it or distract yourselves and your lives from it. And here's a good way to do it. I call it the 12 attitudes. When I was living in New Mexico, I ended up getting a journal and I wrote down one through 10 and I wanted to write down things about myself that absolutely drove me nuts. And what I mean by that is it's, I, it's the tendency that I have. If I'm going through a situation and I look back at it later on and I'm like, wow, I probably shouldn't have done that because that limited my relationship. It became a limitation and it's something that I don't necessarily want to repeat. So I wrote down my first one and then I wrote down two and three and I got all the way to 10 and I was like, you know what? I'm going to add two more just for the fun of it. So this is why I have the number 12. If you just want to start with five or 10, that's great. But the more you have, the better, because that means that's the more honest that you're being with yourself. How many times do we sit down? in a job interview and someone asks us about our strengths and we can just pop them off really fast. We're like, I'm a hard worker. I'm dedicated. I'll do anything for anyone. Um, Sometimes I try too hard. Um, Those are all positive things. And then it comes to negatives and we're silent and it takes us longer. And we're like, well, I think my biggest negative attribute is that I try too hard to the point that I exhaust myself. That's really a typical answer, but it's not an honest answer because if we're being honest, it would be, hey, my name is Allie. I'm interviewing for this job and my negative attribute is that I can be too bossy and controlling and sometimes people are intimidated by me because of it. That's honest, but for some reason we're afraid to say that because we think we won't get the job, but I think... That's a fear that we shouldn't be having because that's not up to us. If I don't get the job, it's because someone didn't like what they hear and they don't want to deal with it. If I do get it, it's because it's refreshing to the person that someone is actually being honest. This is something that is crazy for people because when someone is actually honest, open and transparent with them, at first they're like, can I trust this person? Like they're being honest with me, but what for? What's their agenda? We always think someone has an agenda and it's sad because we're not used to people being open and honest with us. So work on those 12 attitudes and instead of devoting your attention to hiding those faults from others, try to actually embrace those things. Don't continue the limiting behaviors, but embrace them when they happen. If you're having a conversation with someone and you notice you're being a little bit bossy or you're intimidating them, why don't you stop when you notice it, apologize to them for it, and then try again and be honest. Hey, I'm really sorry. Sometimes I have a tendency to be bossy and intimidating. Why don't you set a boundary for me? If I'm doing this to you next time, let me know. I'm sorry. It's not apologizing for the person that we are and the personality that we have or the limitations that we carry, but it's apologizing to that person for stepping over a boundary that's hurting their feelings or upsetting them. And this is being real. This is all a part of being real. So I think that there's a soul mirror and there's a body mirror. So we have a physical and this inner one that I was talking about. And there's no way that we could possibly camouflage our souls. 
God's word is our soul's mirror. And when we look deeply into it, we're not going to find flattering praise. Instead, I think we're going to find reality and truth. And that's what the truth is going to do. It's, it's a truth. It's a road that we need to walk. If you really want to know yourself, don't look at yourself. You need to look at Jesus. He's going to show you the true condition of your soul, and he's going to reveal the full extent of God's love. And the best way for you to get to know yourself, I think, is to get to know him. So it makes it really hard sometimes because we get to humility and it's for us to have a good personality. We need to be humble. We shouldn't be trying to impress or control or seduce or even acquire. We should be content we shouldn't brag or boast, pose or pretend, and we shouldn't ex- and we should just openly, we should openly accept humiliation because humiliation is a point of life. It's going to happen. Actually, I wrote here in my notes when I was studying this that you'll have to walk humiliation, foolishness and surrender. This is part of the pain process. This is part of being real. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's not easy to be real. And in another segment, I'm going to talk to you about what Christianity is versus what people are saying that it is. But I just want you to stop and think for a second. Do you think that life is meant to be pleasant, that things are supposed to go well for you and people are supposed to like you? Because if you do, you're living the wrong way of life. Because that's not the road to walk. Because that's a broken road that has cracks in it that you're going to fall into and you're going to get hurt. You need to be walking the life of humiliation, foolishness, and surrender. Because this is the life that Jesus walked. And if we look at the cross, we can remember that this is the life that we should be living as well. Showing our true selves is humiliating sometimes. It's rough. And not to mention, sometimes it's even foolish because we're doing these things that we know we shouldn't do, but yet we're doing them. But we need to surrender at the end. We need to take that time to say, you know what? I've been humiliated. I've been foolish. But I can change. I can be better. I can be real. I cannot adopt behaviors that have never been mine. We compare ourselves with others, and that comparison is not good for us. I've talked about this before. We want to stay away from that comparison that we have towards ever others because life is not a report card. I think that some of us think that when we go to heaven, we're going to see Jesus and we're going to be like, hey, Jesus, so I just wanted to see what my report card was this semester because, you know, I've been doing really good job in service and I think I look pretty good and I dress pretty well. Um, So what grade did I get on each of these things? And you think he's going to hand you a report card and you're going to have either straight A's or you're going to flunk certain areas. Life isn't a report card. We're not trying to get straight A's on everything. We're not trying to just get C's just to get by. Life isn't a report card. It's not, and yet we treat it as if it is such, and that keeps us from being real. Until we actually walk through the real door that we unlock with the key of humility, we're not going to get to a place of being real. 
It says that to be humble, you you need to be content to be forgotten. There are going to be times when the center of the attention is not on you. You need to be glad to be passed over, thankful to live and serve God in obscurity, incognito, unobtrusive. These are things that you need to be. Yet we think that it's bad. We act like it's a bad thing and it's going to give us a negative point. Or it's going to lower our grade. What does it look like for a woman? What does it look like for a man to be real and be humble and be who they really are? I think for a woman, it means for her to be patient with others. It means to look closely at yourself. And it means to not complain that life isn't fair all the time. We shouldn't always say, I told you so, we, I told you so to our husbands. We shouldn't be smug, self-assured, or arrogant. We shouldn't have a constant desire to be right or prove others wrong. And we should rather want to be honored or remembered or recognized or appreciated or noticed or awarded than ourselves. We should want other people to have that, not ourselves. We shouldn't delight in the failures of others when we think that we're in competition with them. We should congratulate the people who win in life without secret grudges grudges or hidden envy. We shouldn't gloat. We should freely rejoice. And we should mourn with those who mourn and practice compassion for others. That's what a woman should be doing. But so many times I look at this list and I'm like, oh, crap. Patient with others. Well, screwed up today. I guess I'm not humble. And then what do I do? Did I lie about my impatience? I'm not impatient. I just this or I just that. I'm making excuses for things that I shouldn't be making excuses for. Instead, I should be like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I'm impatient. It sucks. What about for a man? A man shouldn't be asking how he can get ahead. He should step back to help others and help them reach their goals since their goals are actually more important than his own. He shouldn't be putting people down and he should maximize other people's potential, not his own. He shouldn't be grumbling, but he should be encouraging. And he should desire his competitor's good over his own good. He should be careful to avoid contests in which winning would actually mean exalting or honoring himself versus honoring another. And he doesn't want to lose. But he should be okay with losing. But as men, some of you maybe do it. I think that the main thing is that the humble soul is actually seeking to serve rather than be served. And the first step to becoming real in this painful, horrible process of admitting the truth of who we are is being honest with ourselves. That's the first step. We shouldn't be evaluating by ourselves with a method that's always changing either. We have this trifecta. It's image, appearance, and reputation. I call it the trifecta. Image, appearance, reputation. If we look good, if we appear good, and we're reputable, then we must be good people. But is that real? Because there are going to be days where we don't look good, we don't appear good, and we don't have a good reputation. Does that mean that we're bad people just because we had a bad day? What if you really are a person who doesn't have any of those, where you have one of those? 
What if you're not the quote-unquote full package? That is the trifecta. We rule our lives by image, appearance, and reputation. And don't evaluate ourselves through a method that we should be, but rather one that's always changing. And that's, that's a little bit rough. We need to be transparent. We need to be self-aware and we need to foster an internal mindset. We need to admit that we're human and be aware of our mortality because there's going to be a day where we're going to die and we're only human and we can't think that life goes on forever and live to succeed in life because what if life is cut short? We need to accept that there are uncertainties in life and we may be a part of them. We need to embrace, accept, and not waste those moments in our life. And we need to be vulnerable. And those are all really hard things for us to do. Uh, you know, sometimes I almost frustrate myself because when when I do talks like this, I'm like, wow, like I do this crap a lot. This kind of sucks. But it's It's being honest with ourselves that I think really gives us the transformation that we need. Because when we're lying to ourselves and we're going to continue lying to other people. Um, I'm trying to get to my other pages in my notes. So I I just kind of think that we need to change our perspective. I know I've, I've said this before, looking through rose-colored lenses. So if we're looking at ourselves and others through that, we're not being real. We need to put on the reality lens. We need to put on the lens that we need for that day. And that lens may be changing because it needs a change of perspective. It may, be, it may not be the same color lens every day. We may need a different one. And we shouldn't get rid... We should, we should I'm sorry, we should get rid of the things that are weighing us down. That's, that's especially important because there are things in our life that are going to weigh us down that are going to keep us from being real and we need to omit those from our lives and we need to not get too comfortable here and admit that we're normal and admit that we're nomads. Here's what I mean by not being comfortable here. Here's where you are right now. It's what you're feeling right now. You may be comfortable with that, you may not. But if you're in a comfortable place, you think, why do I need to change? Everyone else around me needs to make a difference. I am never saying you need to change yourself because your personality, what we're going to talk about, is something that is given to you that does not change. It's irreversible. It's unchangeable. You're stuck with it for life. But your character is something that you can work on and not change, but you can alter and transform to make your life better. So if we're comfortable here and we always stay in the same place, then we're not nomads. And that's fooling ourselves because we are nomads. We like to travel around. We like to go to different places. We like to experience different things. So why is it that we choose in our life to stay in the same place because of comfortability? We need to omit the denial, the diversion, the disguise, the dilution, and the deification in our lives. These are the D's I love to talk about. The denial, the denial that 
there might be something wrong with us. The diversion, the taking on new hobbies and tasks that weigh us down and give us anxiety and tire us out, that are diverting us from the real problem, which is ourselves. Our disguise, the mask that we put on every day for some people, and then we come home and we're a completely different person, and our husband or our wives or our brothers or our sisters or our mothers or our fathers, they're so frustrated with us because they know that's not who we are. And why can you be one person to someone outside the home, but you're like this to me? Take that disguise down. Dilution. We dilute everything down with an excuse. Well, I'm really not that bad because dot, dot, dot. Well, they'll have to get over it because dot, dot, dot. We dilute our limitations to make them seem like they're acceptable. We dilute our sin to make it feel like it could be okay. And deification. We're putting idols in our lives that shouldn't be there. And we're treating God as a caricature rather than the man that he was created to be. We're idolizing our trifecta, which is our appearance, our image, our reputation. We're idolizing those things to the point that we're not even able to be real with ourselves. And in turn, we lose our actual personality. It's always there. It's never changing. It's never leaving. But we're losing sight of who we really are. And we're spiraling down into depression and so many different other issues. Because, all because, we're idolizing ourselves. That's where I get on self-love. I have the biggest issue with this term self-love. Because self-love isn't encouraging ourselves to be better people. Self-love isn't having us go out and be better people. Self-love is nothing but loving ourselves. The definition's in the word. We're not loving other people. We're loving ourselves. And so many people encourage the self-love. And I'm a person who encourages be who you already are. That is so much different. And please don't get those two confused. Do not think that I am an advocate for self-love because I am not. I'm an advocate for being who you already are. And not loving yourself because God loves you. There are plenty of other people in this world to love you. Be comfortable with yourself. Don't love yourself. Be comfortable because this word love has been distorted in in today's society and we put love towards everything. I love pumpkin spice lattes. I love chips. I love to get pedicures. I love my guns. I love to go hunting. I love fantasy football. We're idolizing those things. Self-love is disturbing. Self-love is putting, putting motivation on other things. And it's hindering real relationships. I think the sad truth is just that most of us are absolute phonies. And we deceive others about our true intentions. We actually cover up our objectives so we can keep up appearances. And we massage our reputations. And we try to win friends and influence people. And too many of our motives are soaked in that selfishness. 
That's self-love. My guess is that you probably would like to think that you're human just like them and that you make mistakes just like they do. And you do. But are you brave enough to admit it? I am always way more at ease with people who know that they're not perfect. I can have a transparent and honest relationship with someone who is not constantly judging me. And I've also noticed, and this is just for me, that I do better with people who aren't throwing out self-love all the time. Sometimes I see people on social media that are posting things like, I feel really fat. Or, I know I've gotten ugly, dot, 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 finish the sentence. They're waiting for someone to build them up and say something to them and say, no, that's not you. Now, I usually don't comment on stuff like that because I feel like it's a cry for attention. And this is something that they need to become comfortable and come to terms with in themselves. However, I do see things where some people post negative upon negative upon negative all in one. And they don't see that those negatives are positives. I'm like, come on. Are you kidding me? You're bossy? That's, that's okay. Like, it could be a limitation for you, but bossy can be good because that means you can maybe be a good manager someday. So don't completely omit that and get rid of that. There, <laughs> there are so many things that people are posting that are not necessarily negatives. Other people are seeing it that way. I used to be a size double zero and now I'm a size five. Holy crap, you have such a horrible life. Your life is so terrible. You went from a double zero to a size five, which is still really not that bad. You're healthy, there's food on the table. You have a husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend. What is your problem? They want attention. They want to feed that ego. That ego is, they want, they want that self-love. And they think, you know what? I've had so many people telling me that I should love myself for who I am and I don't need to change for anyone. So I'm going to post about it and be an advocate for self-love. And then they're going on telling everybody that they should love themselves. That they should put themselves first. To not care about what other people think. And while some of that kind of has some truth to it, it kind of doesn't too. But we've already talked about that. Becoming real is a process and it's going to ground us in the moment and it's really going to free us to begin loving other people more than we love our own agendas. I'm going to repeat that from my notes again. Becoming real is a process that's going to ground us in the moment and it's going to free us to begin loving other people more than we actually love our own agendas. It's going to let us invest in other people a little bit more and be a little bit more real than worry about what we want in life. I've struggled with being real. I'm not an expert in this. I probably never will be. And I'd love to say that my education helps me to become the best me that I can be, but it doesn't. Because I struggle with it sometimes too, because I am imperfect. And, you know, 
some things that I've noticed about myself is I have a lot of limitations. I really do. I have a lot of things that don't bode well for me. I'm emotional and moody. And and sometimes that's that's a little rough for me because when I'm emotional and moody, it affects the other people that are around me in my life. Um, I'm highly emotional and I, I'm really sensitive, although I give this stance that I think that I'm really tough and intimidating, but I'm not. Sometimes I'm even controlling or envious of others' success, and I can be verbally self-abusive to myself. I can set unrealistic high goals for myself. I'm easily discouraged when unsuccessful, when I'm unsuccessful in any sort of accomplishment. And sometimes I even feel that other people aren't capable of doing things as well as maybe I can. Those are my truths. They're real. It's what I do. Sometimes I can be manipulative because I can want to get my way. The thing is, is I don't even realize I'm being manipulative till I look back at the situation. But I was so set on having my agenda filled that I was manipulating others, hurting other people in my path. But I have a lot of positives too, because I'm extremely empathetic and understanding. And I see life as a really serious endeavor. I appreciate the beauty and detail in life, and I have a strong aesthetic sense. I'm a high achiever. I have a deep sense of purpose. I'm highly disciplined. I'm receptive to others' suggestions. And sometimes I feel so much empathy for people, I put it on my own shoulders, and I'll do anything for anyone. Sometimes I've even been told that I'm admired because of these traits. So I have good things and I have bad things. I have positives and I have limitations, but I know who I am. Do you know who you are? What is it going to take for you to hold up a mirror to you or let someone else hold a mirror up to you? For me, I had to let someone else hold up the mirror and I did not like what I heard, but it was true. Some things I didn't necessarily realize I was doing as often, but I still knew that they were a part of me. Yet I made excuses for myself and reasons why I could get those things done. Who are you? What is it going to take you to become real? I want to leave you with some things that you can do quickly. First of all, write down those 12 attitudes. You don't have to, but I highly suggest it. Because when you take these personality tests going on, you'll be able to say, hey, this is my tendency. It is me. A lot of times when we take these personality tests, we think that the one that we're given is not the right one. So maybe if I go back and answer it a different way and I'm a little dishonest, I'll get the person I want to be. But it's not striving to be the person that we want to be, but striving to be the person that we are. So write down those 12 things. Write down your attitudes. Even write down five if it's better for you. But like I said, the more the better. The next thing that you can do is hold up a mirror to yourself. The 12 attitudes is a great way to do it. But by holding up a mirror to yourself, that's willing to be holding up that mirror all the time, not just once a week or once a month or once a year. That's every day. When you're going through your actions, are you going through emotion or are you going through rationality? 
The next thing you can do is ask people for their opinion. I'm not talking about just anyone because some people will try to put you down, but people that really care about you and have invested in your life. Ask them what they see in you and invite them to be completely bold and honest and make sure, here's the caveat, make sure that you are not holding a grudge against them after they say these things to you. We need to walk humiliation. We need to walk foolishness. We need to walk surrender. We need to be humiliated by what they say because we know it's true and we're unhappy with it and we need to be willing to transform that behavior. We need to be foolish to screw up, to know that that's not the way to do things and maybe there's another way to try it. And we need to surrender to the things that we're doing that we that aren't working for us. Those are the best things I can give you. Once you are real with yourself, you will find these personality tests will work with you so much better. It'll be so much easier. Some of the things I've said in here have been redundant. I've said them over and over and over again. I've been really repetitive, but the reason why I do this is because it needs to be ingrained in you of what being real is. Because I think that we claim that we're real, but we're not. Even when we're trying our hardest to be real sometimes, we still can't bring ourselves to do it subconsciously. We just can't do it. We just can't be real with ourselves, and that's a real problem. If you want to know a little bit more about how to be real, becoming real, Stephen James makes writes an, off, an awesome book. It is called Becoming Real. It's Christ's call to authentic living. If you are a Christian, this gives you a great biblical perspective on what it means to be real, a real person. I've been studying this book and I love it because I've been able to write notes from it and put them into my own words and put my own thoughts with it and come up with some great material. Another great one you can look at is Living Beyond Your Feelings, Battlefield of the Mind. These are both by Joyce Meyer. These help you understand your emotions a little bit more. And I think once you can understand that, you can know how to be a little bit more real. Be authentically you. I want to leave you with don't go in self-love, but go in terms where you understand who you are and you are comfortable. Be comfortable. Don't have all that self-love that you pour so much in yourself that you're not pouring into others. I'm doing my other segment today to make up for some lost time on personality. I hope you guys have a great day.